getting to the point where you can like make them and prioritize your mental health is like a big like even this whole like even this year when I already knew I still like stumbled a lot like it's a journey you know and there was still some like real like hard dark moments but I was like okay like you know how to get out of this and that's like it's having the tools it's having like Mm. the skills and like really strengthening them and being able to like choose yourself over you know it always comes down to capitalism too (laughs) Hello, hello, and welcome back to the I'm Lost So What podcast. As usual, this is your host, Cassandra Lay, and in this episode, I am bringing on a longtime friend and my introverted copywriting and marketing other half, Monica Schrock. Monica is a marketing consultant and copywriter who co-creates holistic messaging and marketing methods with companies that disrupt norms, create inclusive space, and drive purpose through sports, culture, or community. And in this episode, we are talking about Monica's non binary journey, their mental health and prioritizing their mental health, as well as a fun little petty party, because y'all know we love petty parties, uh, talking about marketing. I will share that there is a content warning in this episode where we talk about mental health and the fact that Monica has depression, anxiety, and bipolar disorder. So let's just dive into it. I am so excited for you all to listen to this because having conversations with Monica is always super fun and we love getting really deep into things and it's just a great time. So let's go. Hello, hello, everyone. I'm Cassandra Lay and you're listening to I'm Lost, So What? The podcast exploring between belonging and carving your own path. For all the peeps out there who kind of know what you're doing, but still question, what the fuck is going on? Yeah, I'm with you. Hello, hello, and welcome to the I'm Lost So What podcast. And I am super excited because we've got, if you've been in my network for a while, an OG, I guess, (laughs) person here with us today. Hello, Monica. Hi. So stoked to be here. Yay. I'm I'm super excited. Um, Honestly, we were just talking about not seeing each other's faces. <laughs> yes, I was just going to say, I'm so excited to see your face. I know. <laughs> it's been so same. long. Seriously. Well, if you don't know who Monica is, we used to have a podcast together called Business Without the Butts. It was also a membership. Uh, we have done lots of random marketing things yeah. together. How long have we known each other now? Oh my gosh. That's a great question. Oh, that was great it question. 2019? Yeah. So how many years? Yeah. That's like four and a half years. Wow. Wow. It's a while now. <laughs> and then the last time I saw you was February of this year for literally like Oh yeah, an you were hour. here for like an hour. Oh, that was so nice though. That was nice. It was yeah. not enough time though, because I was like, oh, I haven't seen you no. in so long. It was like just enough time to be like, damn. <laughs> I know. Oh <laughs> yeah, like, time. Exactly. I still wanted that hour, but you know, sometimes you were like, Oh, that hurt more than it was. <laughs> I know. I know. Because sometimes you're like, this is bittersweet. We didn't even like so bittersweet. We yeah. didn't get into like the meaty stuff. We were just, yeah. you know, catching up, but then didn't get the yeah. chance to like talk about all of the things. Oh, we're gonna get into it today though. I I'm know. Excited. So um <laughs> in this episode, I wanted to kind of go through what your journey is was like, is like defining what being non-binary means to you, uh, oh. your mental health. And also we cannot you know, meet without talking about marketing. So there will be marketing. (laughs) (laughs) So (laughs) I do want to just at least start off with the first question. What does being lost mean to you? And can you describe what the feeling of being lost is like? 
I don't yeah. know if those are like similar questions, but I think they're different. So I think they're different. Yeah, definitely. I'll, I'll let you go into it. Yeah. Lost is a really interesting word. It can mean so many things, right? Because like I played sports growing up. So it's like, you know, we lost. But I think the <laughs> if you lost the game, like you lost. But I think the like common thread there is like when you're lost or when you lost, like you're learning so much about yourself and life. And I think like, you know, being lost are amazing learning periods. And for me, being lost means like exploration. Like mm. it gives me like time and space to figure out what I'm doing and what do I want to be doing. My aunt said um, something the other day where it was like, you know, life's all about what you want to be doing every single day. <laughs> oh, I love and that. So, yeah. So when thinking about like when I'm lost and thinking about that, it's really figuring out and that's like an evolution, right? Like I don't, I'm not, I can't predict what I want to do every single day. 10 years from now. Like, I don't know what I'll want to do by then. Right. So it's these moments of like being lost that I feel like are necessary in life. Um, so you're able to kind of like sit down and be like, oh, this isn't what I want to do mm. with my days anymore. So what do I want to do? And I think people see it a lot of the times. I'm sure you, this is why you have this podcast is people see it as like a bad thing. Yeah. <laughs> Air quotes. <laughs> Air quotes. Bad. <laughs> Air what quotes. is bad? <laughs> what is bad? Well, capitalism says it's bad because we're supposed to want that white picket fence yes. and all the all the consumerism things and to buy the house and to do all the things. So we're not lost because we have the job and we do the thing every day that's going to get us those things. But for me, I've always wanted to be, I've, I feel like I've always been lost. But if you ask anyone around me, like they wouldn't say that. Yeah, like, I was about to say, they, like for the four years I've known you. Yeah. I don't Because I'll, I'll be lost for a second and then I'll like figure out what I want to do next. And I'm a big person. I'm a big variety person. So I think I get lost maybe more than a lot of people do because I do something and then I'm like, I did it. I want to do something else. Mm. Um, so for me, it's like, I don't know. I think it's like a part of my DNA being lost. Oh, I, I think it's like a part of my identity. <laughs> and I see it as a good thing. <laughs> well, that me. takes me to, I guess, then the identity piece of being lost and coming out as non-binary. When did you come out again? I remember, but I don't remember. Yeah, it was a couple of years ago. Maybe it was June 2020. Maybe. I think so. Yeah. I am literally imagining the Instagram post um, that you made. <laughs> yeah. Uh, like that's oh, what that was so nice. It was. Uh, yeah, so, was so nice. Can you describe what defining being non-binary binary means for you, especially because yeah. I know, I mean, this is what I've seen on TikTok. Uh, so, <laughs> I love that. <laughs> you know, let's yeah, take what, what I'm about to say <laughs> with a grain of salt here, y'all. So everybody has, of course, their own coming out journey and their story. Yeah. And you came out later in life. So what has, of course, defining being non-binary looked like because you came out later in life? Yeah. Oh, and also because you're in a relationship. I am in a relationship. Yeah. Yeah. yeah for almost nine years now. Oh, gosh. Um, long time. <laughs> long time. <laughs> that's, uh, yeah, that's that's funny. Um, the coming out late in life because that would definitely, it was an interesting thing. But also the other interesting thing about it is like, I always knew. You know, there's like a part of me that always knew. I just didn't have like a defining label for it. I know labels can be, can have like, you know, double-edged sword with the label thing for sure. But for me, having the label for my gender makes it like solidifies it so much in a way that just like, because I came out late, I think I'm like, oh my gosh, yes, there's like a term for for how I identify. And that's like, so that feels so at home for me now. Mm -hmm. 
And I feel just excited to write it into <laughs> gender when I'm running in forms, just like write it in or tell people or like be able to confidently be like, hey, like this is who I am. And they're not be, you know, there's always confusion because people are still confused, but I'm not confused, <laughs> which is really nice. And the coming out late thing, I I was reading a book called um called it's a graphic novel called Tomboy by Liz Prince. And just like reading it, I was like, oh my gosh, this was like so my like growing up, like not you know, just like not wanting to go through puberty, not wanting to become womanly because like, you know, I'm like, I'm not a boy, but I'm not like, I don't want to become like womanly. And it's so confusing to be like, I don't, you know, want to be something I'm not necessarily, but Mm. who I am doesn't match like what's happening with me right now, Mm. which is like a very, you know, the physical body thing is like a whole nother thing. But (laughs) but for me, what it means to be non-binary, I think is like, you know, I mean, obviously, the the definition of not identifying with the binary genders of being a man or a woman, but I think it's it's really a spectrum of where I am with gender expression. You know, I know inside me that I'm something in between, which Mm. I think identifies with like me feel like the lost thing. Like I'm not lost with my gender identity, but it's something that I get to kind of define um, every day or every week or every month or every year. You know, just like what I do in life and just like what my interests are. So I think like being lost in that like really exploratory way is is how I am in a lot of aspects of my life including gender so for me it's it's like a space for me to not have to subscribe to one (laughs) the like gender roles the like you know really common gender roles and really kind of you know break I've always been breaking those barriers in my own life and never subscribed to them but now I'm like well I'm non-binary, so I'm not doing that. (laughs) Like, and it's a really, you know, like an easier way than being like, you know, if, you know, people thought I was a woman and they're like, oh, you're, you know, whatever terms they want to call me because I'm a woman who doesn't act like and, you know, women shouldn't have to do that like at all. But for me, I'm like, well, I don't subscribe. So (laughs) I act and am the way that I want, just like everyone should be. But it's nice to really like be like my gender doesn't match what you're expecting and you shouldn't expect that of people anyway. Mm, Okay. So there's a lot to unpack there mainly. Sorry. No, it's (laughs) fine. I love it. Uh, And also I love hearing this because I feel like we've talked about it over the years, uh, but I don't think I've ever actually like, you know, had the chance to really have this like super in-depth conversation and ask you, what does it mean to you? And like, how is life now? Um, I think something that you said earlier about, you know, being lost and that you're not lost in your gender, Mm. I think is really, really interesting because a lot of the times, like, you know, this concept of being lost and this whole podcast explores like the, I don't want to say explores the exploration, but I'm running out of words here, Um, but it does. It, 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 It explores this infinite possibility of what could be when we are lost. I feel Um, like it cracks it open. It doesn't just explore it. (laughs) It cracks open the exploration. (laughs) Yeah. And like in a really intentional way too, because like you were saying, like you always knew, but maybe, you know, you didn't have the language to fully define it or you didn't have the language or I don't know what else to kind of say what it is. Yeah. Uh, and it's hard to articulate, honestly, yeah. it like is in some ways. And I think um, the internal struggle for like, you know, my entire life up till a couple of years ago was like, just like, that was like the hardest part. I think like mm. you want to like, cause then like, again, that book, Tomboy, it's like people are like, oh, you're a tomboy. 
like, oh, you're just more of a masculine woman or like, you know, and there's so many like assumptions that come with that. And I think, you know, for me, this like, you know, although it's like tumultuous right now, for sure, this like spectrum of gender that's like coming out where you, you know, you can like, you know, be like, well, this is actually like who I am and you don't have to understand it fully because I don't Mm -hmm. think you ever could because it's a feeling inside me that is hard to articulate. Yeah. But now I can kind of be more like, this is why I don't feel, you know, welcome in certain, (laughs) in certain like activities or in certain like categories. And I can be like, you know, I don't really relate to women on that, on whatever that is. And I don't relate to men on whatever that is, but like, I have my, you know, my own experience with it. And this is what it is. Mm. So another question for you is because you like exist or your gender exists within, how do I explain this? Like the middle Mm. But it's not yeah. really the middle. So yeah, I it's don't like think... it's like being bisexual doesn't mean you're 50 50 exactly. or being pansexual doesn't mean you put percentages to all the genders like that. Yeah. 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 I know what you're saying. Yeah. <laughs> I want to call it like the limbo space. Right. But then yeah. also the limbo space in like religious terms and all of this stuff is the space that you wait until, you know, God taps you on the shoulder or the devil, yeah. whoever, wherever you're going. Um, <laughs> and it's like, okay, judgment day has come. Like, yeah. it's your turn. You're going to go either up to heaven or down to hell. Um, so interesting. I've never well, even heard that. That's interesting. Yeah. yeah. I don't know if that's <laughs> correct. So like, if you all are- <laughs> I didn't grow up religious, thoughts, so for me, oh, okay. wouldn't, I wouldn't even know. <laughs> um, okay. Well, growing up Catholic and then choosing to leave yeah. the religion. Um, a huge thing. I think yeah. that's what it is. So within like limbo, middle, gray- yeah. Um, I think in one of the, like a previous newsletter I had, I called it like the twilight zone. <laughs> it does feel like that sometimes. Right? <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. So what is life like for you living mm. in that constant twilight zone and having the freedom now, especially because you have the language and, you know, the self-awareness and the confidence, yeah. I guess, to like say, hey, this is it. Take it or leave it. I feel good about myself here. What is life yeah. like? for you now. And then I guess for the people around you. Yeah. It's pretty great, honestly. (laughs) Okay. I love that for you. It's pretty. Thank you so much. (laughs) Thank you so much. No, it is pretty great. Um, You know, I, I feel the people around me are so happy for me and I'm lucky that I have people around me that one, a lot of them already knew, but like, didn't probably didn't have the language for it either. So like when I like came out, they're like, oh, like my sister was like, yes. And, and like people, my friends were like, yeah, duh, <laughs> you oh. know? And, which is great. You know, and I had a similar experience with like anxiety where I was like, saw, a. we'll get to this. I know, but oh, yeah. I saw a, like a, a graphic on social media and I texted my partner and I was like, Tom, I think I have anxiety. And he was like, uh, you didn't know that. And I was like, oh, man. (laughs) So I think like, you know, self-awareness around it, it like just it just makes things better. I mean, there's definitely I will say there's things, you know, there's dangers in the world. But honestly, I've always presented this way. So those dangers existed before, you know, whether you're genderqueer or a woman (laughs) like those those dangers just exist for us. But overall, it's a great feeling. And I feel like I similar with like some of my mental health stuff, I feel like I can take on the labor of certain things, like mm-hmm. explaining to people, but also caveat, like I'm one person and non-binary means something different for everyone and how they experience yeah. and and what like most important thing for people. 
So for me, it's pretty great. Like I'm able to just kind of move through the world. And when I tell people there's different reactions, you know, and I like to tell people because I think they should know, you know, but people have different reactions and that's cool. And I'm like kind of ready for all the reactions. Some people are dismissive. Some people are, that's so cool. Some people are curious. Some people like, you know, don't get it, don't want to get it. All of that is fine for me. Like it's all about me and how I feel. And, you know, that's like, I'm rooted in who I am. And I'm like, it's a feeling I don't really have to explain it to you, but I could explain it to you. And I'm happy to in the ways that I know how. So like for the people in my immediate circle and that I surround myself with, I'm lucky that they were all like people who were open to it anyway. And I didn't really have to like lose anyone over it or like, you know, I was really fortunate in that way. And then when I run into people, you know, it's a it's a mixed bag, but I'm down for all of it. <laughs> you know, one of my many like strengths, especially like, you know, in marketing is, oh, yeah, is like people management. Like, you know, I can like manage people's expectations. I can deescalate situations. Yeah. I can I can talk to people. So it's something that like my skill set is like, I think I'm like kind of like set up for. So I'm happy to do it. So it's just like a it's a really great feeling and not to be weighted down by expectations that I don't actually want to meet, but people Mm. like look at me like I should. So I just feel, and it's like, you know, sometimes those things pop up when you're still like womanhood, like still kind of creeps in where you're like, Oh, you know, and then I just have to like, kind of like sit back and be like, Hey, you know, like if you want to do these things, if you want to, then that's okay. But are you doing them because you want to, or are you feeling like you need to do them because like society's expectations or that yes. like womanhood that's kind of like programmed into you? So there are still those moments, even though I'm so grounded in who I am and so happy about it. It's like, it's a real deconditioning, oh, <laughs> deprogramming. Yeah. I can imagine. <laughs> For sure. But it is nice just to be in spaces and be like, this is who I am. And, you know, just kind of explaining it to people, being open to people's questions has been, um, Not that everyone needs to be at all, but for me, it's been something that's really helped me get people around me to understand. And I hope change hearts and minds of people that I didn't know very well, you know. Oh, I love this for you. I mean, when (laughs) we talked about it and then I think you messaged me via WhatsApp and you told me and I was like, I think I knew. But I'm glad. (laughs) But I'm glad we have words for it now. That did you not know? (laughs) I didn't have words for it. And you know what? What it came about is I'm a board. Um, I'm on the board of a nonprofit, and we were doing like a virtual retreat. Um, oh my gosh, I remember before. this conversation. Yes, yes. The year before. And we were doing an identity workshop and they were like, write down all the aspects of your identity. And I was just like, I got to gender and I was like, uh, <laughs> uh I know. Oh, I was like writing down woman and I was like, that feels so wrong. And that's the feeling that I don't mm. miss. Like, that's the feeling I'm so glad to have like been able to shake through all of this is like growing up. I was like, I feel so off. Like, I feel like I don't belong here or there. And I feel like when I'm in spaces like women's locker rooms, I played sports and I love sports. Sports are like a very safe haven for me. But it was always like, oh, something's a little off about like how I'm interacting with this world. And to be able to be like, this is not feeling off anymore is I think the most like comforting and like revolutionary feeling about it. Mm. Oh, I love this, which actually now that you bring up sports and stuff, I actually wanted to ask about your yeah. podcast. Now. Oh, yeah. Um, play like a day. <laughs> so you co-host a podcast with Sarah, yeah, right? With Sarah. Yeah. Yeah. Can you explain a little bit more about that? 
Yes, it's so fun. And we've been a little like sporadic with it, but we're like gonna we're really like hunkering down and gonna do it um, every week. So we're really excited. Um, There's I think like six or seven episodes now um, called play like a they where we explore I mean, as a podcast about sports in general, from like non binary perspectives, we also like explore non binary identities in sports and like gender queerness in sports and just like women's sports and equality and what it could mean in the future for there to be more acceptance of like non-binary and trans people in sports so they're fun conversations you know some of it gets deep some of it's just like light and we cover all kinds of sports so um yeah check it out if you're into sports or if you're not we talk about um identity stuff so it's a it's not really technical i think it's like even for someone who's like doesn't go deep into sports it probably could still be fun yeah so it's not like you explaining games no, yeah, <laughs> we're not so. like commenting on games yeah. or anything like that. We might be talking about certain athletes we admire and like, you know, things like that. But yeah, it's definitely not a like a uh, play by play of yeah <laughs> of any type of sport. Of the Super Bowl. Blah, blah, blah. Exactly. We're not going to play by play the Super Bowl or even uh, debrief the Super Bowl. <laughs> <laughs> I can't imagine you doing that either. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I do like football. I grew up in Texas, but <laughs> but I definitely wouldn't do that on a podcast. <laughs> hey, some of those podcasts, like those niche podcasts, they do so oh, yeah. well. Yeah. They do super well. <laughs> Niching is is where it's at sometimes. I'm sure we, we, we got to get to that <laughs> in the marketing <laughs> section of this. In the marketing episode. side. <laughs> uh, in one of your podcasts, actually, I think you were talking about gender euphoria. Oh, and, yeah. Oh, I loved that episode. And just what you were saying, too, about, um, you know, well, in the past, entering like the women's locker rooms when you were playing mm. sports and kind of being like, mm, this mm. is not really... <laughs> But the, the men's space. locker room, mm, nah. yeah, <laughs> maybe eh, double in, eh. probably not double in. Eh. <laughs> Can you describe if you have had um, a moment like mm-hmm. one of the biggest moments of gender euphoria you've experienced since coming out? Yes, 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 yes. I mean, it's 100% my buzz cut for sure. And I'm not saying I would have it forever. I think like while I was like, and I've I have buzzed my head now for like 11 years for like the most part, like sometimes I'll grow it out to like a short pixie cut or like something, but I don't get very far. And it's just when it when I actually did it, it was like, I was 25. I remember and I was like, Oh, my God, like this feels so right. And I don't really know why. But it was just like, it didn't. And that's what's funny about it is it, it, it wasn't like, Oh, I feel so much more masculine. Like that wasn't mm. even the feeling. Like, I think it's like, it's, it's hard to even like, or like, I don't know, it's it's hard to even like talk about it in binary. So, like I don't yeah. want to talk about it in binary terms because it doesn't really. But I feel like a lot of people like you know that that's what makes sense to them. So it's it's not that I was like oh I feel masculine. If anything, I felt a little bit more fem- feminine mm. than I did masculine. Like I felt like it was more me, and I felt like you know more beautiful from doing it. So it's definitely like whenever I get a fresh buzz cut that's like gender euphoria every time, which I do every couple weeks because I like it to be like super tight um, and lined up. But that's a big one. I think like like weightlifting is big gender euphoria. I've heard that a lot from people who are genderqueer, depending on like, you know, where you land on that spectrum. But it just makes you feel really strong. Um, and I think also, yeah, it's just like, I, I don't know if I've told you this, but I my I, genetically my like boobs grew in hard like maybe like five years ago mm-hmm. which is wild because I, I was like 31 and I was like really big into um athletics and basketball and fitness and then we can talk about depression and what happened <laughs> that's coming <laughs> up next y'all yeah that's coming up <laughs> next but because of that like I kind of like you know I got less you know into 
really like working out all the time. And I feel like my genetics kind of like kicked in. A lot of people Mm. in my family have like large breasts. And now I'm thinking like, you know, my journey I know is not top surgery, but, you know, I heard that people get gender affirming um, breast reduction surgeries. And I was like, I think that might be the right thing for me. And my mom got a breast reduction surgery just for her back. So I was about to say, I mean, yeah. For people's backs, I think it yeah, also helps a, a lot. Back thing. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, she got one too. But I'm like, you know, they're covering that for gender affirming care with like medical insurance now. And I'm like, wow, yeah, I think like because when I had like smaller breasts, like that was like gender euphoria for me too. Mm-hmm. So it's really cool to see that there are, even though they're absolutely under attack, are like gender affirming healthcare. That's something that I think I want to do. So that's also like a gender euphoria um, future for me, which is really exciting. Um, Yeah. And I met a person who works. And it's so funny because I wasn't even talking about it. And I met a person who works in like a plastic surgeon's office. And she was like, oh, we do a lot of breast reduction surgeries. And she was like, the like look on people's faces like the relief they have and the happiness in their face, she's like, is just like worth it every time. And I was like, oh my God. Oh my God. I'm getting goosebumps like listening to to you. Yeah. I'm just so happy for you. Like, honestly, like, well, since we've known each other for a while now, I'm just like watching, you know, your journey and then seeing all of this stuff and like having conversations and stuff. It's It's really amazing to see one, I think something that you said earlier um, about how rooted you are in yourself, but then being lost enough to still be open to other experiences, other opportunities is really, really cool because it's, it's not either or it's both and because you can be super rooted in who you are and like what feels good to you while opening yourself up to kind of be lost and you know, yeah. float in twilight zone stuff. In the twilight zone. Yeah. I feel like uh, saying that you have it all figured out is like really closing yourself off from from what it what could be for you. And I think yeah. it's like part of being lost is not looking. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like it's just being lost. Like it's not like forcing things or experiences, you know, I mean, you want to do things and like kind of explore. But I feel like sometimes when we're lost, we feel like we have to find the thing like really soon. Are people going to notice we're lost and we're just going to be that person that just like can't get our shit together, which is just not (laughs) not what it has to be. It's not what it has to be. Oh my gosh. I was say, so now that you brought that up, I love all yeah. of these. You're like segueing. Transitioning into, for yeah, you. <laughs> thank you. Making my job easier. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so we've also had conversations about like prioritizing your mental health through work, through life. And you've mentioned now in this conversation, even though I technically know um, that you have anxiety and depression. Yes. Um, <laughs> There's so, another big one in there. Yeah. I don't know if you wanted to share yeah. it. Okay. Yeah, I can absolutely share it. Um, yeah, mental health has been a big journey for me. And, and um, you know, the the gender realization was maybe like three years ago. And then a year and a half ago, I went to a psychiatrist because I just I mean, this, the story leading up to this is just so long. But essentially, I've been experiencing, you know, some mental health, I don't know, issues. There's so many ways to put it, but just like experiencing a lot of like hard mental health things for since I was probably like, 18 or 19. I'm 36 now. So it's been a while. (laughs) It's been a while. And just like a lot of anxiety and depression before, which is I thought was all what's happening. But there was this other element that I just was like, you know, I'm just like, I'm like, I'm like, can't control my brain in like this very specific way. And it just became this like, this 
spiraling, spiraling, spiraling. And one day I was just like, I can't do this. Like, I can't do this anymore. And I told, you know, a psychiatric nurse that I was like in her program for. And I told my best friend and I was like, dude, I don't like I don't even know what the next next step for me is, which was really scary because I was like, I just I can't live like this anymore. Um, So they were like, you know, so I was like, I'm going to go to psychiatrist and the psychiatric nurse, like former psychiatric nurse was like, yeah, you should definitely go. It took a few months because that was like right. Um, 2021. So, you know, lockdown was kind of coming out, but yeah. people had been in, you know, we had, everyone was like cooped up and we were all having mental health situations. And so a lot of like people were really busy. So it took a few months, but I got in and you know, after a few sessions, they diagnosed me with bipolar disorder, bipolar two. There is another one. <laughs> I have the two. And, uh, you know, we found some like tools. And for me, the tools were meds because basically they were like, you're you've been in this hole for like a decade. And mm-hmm. like we have we have to like help you get out of it with some like medication. And honestly, I've accepted now it's been a journey the last year and a half that I'll probably need it for the rest of my life. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's going to look a certain way. And that's OK. But it was hard to accept. But I think like immediately um, within a few weeks, I felt so much better and so much more stable. And the things that I've been able to do in the last year and a half have been unreal, like so unreal. And, you know, and just like the journey I've been on and how like more like how healthier and more stable I am. I just never knew life could be like this. And that's like, I try not to have any regrets or like hold anything for too long. But I think, you know, I like to talk about it now because I really didn't need to be suffering for like Mm -hmm. (laughs) over a decade and doing life like just so it had to be, it didn't have to be so hard. Um, so, you know, I'm really, I feel really lucky that my brain got me through that. My body got me through yeah. that. My body is still like, okay. And, and I'm just like really grateful for like my whole like being for getting me through that. And now it's just so much better. Like I can't even, it's like a full 180. Like I never thought my life could be this like clear, even though like being lost, I'm like, oh, I'm still so clear and and being able to be right. clear and trust my gut and like make decisions and set boundaries and and know like what I want and what I don't want and be able to act on it without feeling like that just existential dread <laughs> and like triggering myself into like a manic episode or a depressive episode or wondering if the decisions I'm making are because I'm manic or because they're mm. good ideas. It's like, oh my God. I'm going to stop here, but it's just like been life changing. <laughs> oh my gosh. Okay. So you basically touched on literally all the questions that I had written to hey. <laughs> I feel like this happens a lot. <laughs> I just knew. We I didn't know. go over the questions. Everyone. We really didn't. I, I kind of gave you like a really like super high level. We're going to talk about like, mental yeah. health. <laughs> These are kind of some of the things that I was thinking to talk about. This is the structure, but literally Monica already went into. Um <laughs> The points I've been doing. This isn't my first podcast rodeo. (laughs) I know. (laughs) We still got that connection. (laughs) Yep. Yep. (laughs) Um, So actually, okay. My question is, there are three. When you decided to finally prioritize your mental health and you touched on it just now, but what was it like admitting to yourself that Mm. you needed the support? And then what was it like to one, ask for it? And then also setting up boundaries because I know you yeah and there's something that you always say that you like came out of the womb with boundaries I love and that's something I've always admired but how did you set up and hold boundaries with yourself 
because mm-hmm. we always talk about like setting boundaries and holding them with other people. But yeah. one thing I think that we always forget is like, we got to hold ourselves accountable to our own boundaries because if we don't, well, other people yes. aren't. So how did you approach that? Yeah. What was it like asking for what you needed? How was it to admit to yourself in the beginning? Right. Because in like my family and my circles and my like situation, I was like the one who always had it together. And I think that was like one of the hardest things was being like, I don't and thinking it was like, okay, to not have it together. And even when I did tell people, they were like, oh, I could have never, I would never have like been able to tell. You just always had, they just use that phrase too. You always had it so together. Which is like, which I don't know if that's helpful or not helpful, but I don't think so. But I understand what they're saying. I understand what they're saying. I was like, yeah, I was masking super hard. I got really good at it. Like I've Mm. been doing it for like over 10 years. So yeah, you weren't going to know. No one was going to know. But like as it went, and I think like, you know, lockdown is for many people had a like a definitely a like role in this as well, where just things kept getting worse and worse and worse. And now I know that if you leave bipolar disorder untreated, it does get worse and worse. So I guess I think it just got to a point where I was just like, I'm not going to survive like this. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, <laughs> it just kind of gets there. And I can't even describe the feeling. It's a very scary feeling because you're yeah. just like, you know, I don't like I can't live in this brain anymore like this, you know. So I think asking for help was still really hard. Um, and I thought I could get through it. And I think like, you know, that's we're just supposed to push through. We're not supposed to complain or make these things a big deal or, you know, these, this is like what everyone tells us, you know, everybody gets sad sometimes or whatever, you know? And for me as a person, like no one had explained to me, like, I didn't know I had anxiety till I was like 30 something. Like no one in my life had been like, this is what anxiety feels like. This is what depression Mm. feels like. You, these, like I had been told my grandmother had bipolar disorder, but I didn't really know what that meant. I mean, I saw her, in hospitals like sedated and like all these things but I never really got to know what that meant you know so it's like I wasn't primed (laughs) society didn't prime me like people around me didn't prime me to think that how I was experiencing life wasn't normal because to Mm -hmm. me I was just like oh people are fucking struggling like this in their brain and that's just normal right because this shit is bonkers out here (laughs) you know like like that's what it felt like and so when I kind of like started to get to the point where I couldn't handle it anymore. You know, I went to my best friend, Kat, who was a person I felt safe to go to. And like, she didn't know what to do for me, obviously, yeah. but was just like happy to that I that I asked. And, you know, I was able to feel safe enough to tell like the, the psychiatric nurse, uh, the former that I was in um, her like life coaching program, which was life changing for me, too. And I think led me to like being actually self-aware around what was happening like inside me because part of her practice was like somatic practicing and feeling mm-hmm. through your body. And like, I just couldn't do it. And, you know, she <laughs> rightfully pointed out that anxiety was like my cover for my actual emotions. So I wasn't feeling my emotions. I remember I this conversation. My, yeah. I wasn't feeling my body, my emotions. I wasn't feeling anything. I had coping mechanisms a lot. Like work was a huge one, which is a lot of like, I can answer the boundary question about like holding myself accountable. A lot of mm-hmm. that is to work. And, you know, I never I didn't fall deep into the like, it's so funny, the like, thankfully, because bipolar people with bipolar are very like susceptible to substance abuse. And Mm. there was something when I was younger that I just was like, I don't know, like some things I know that something's going to happen, like hearing what people felt like on drugs and things Mm. like that. I was like, I just I think it's I think it's going to be bad for me. And I'm really glad I didn't because I think it would have been bad for me. (laughs) Like, I think I would (laughs) have. 
maybe gotten, you know, addicted to it and things mm-hmm. like that. And now I can like do some things for fun and, and it's okay because like, I'm aware of all these things, but yeah, I think I just like, I got to that point And immediately when I told um, the person I was in their program with, I like hung up, like I hung up the zoom and I was like, oh my God, I shouldn't have told her that. Like, I'm going to like, they're going to take me away. Like they're going to like throw me in somewhere mm-hmm. because like, I'm, you know, like, I'm going to say crazy right now because that's how I felt people were going to look at me. And like, I was like, I fucked up. Like I shouldn't have told someone that like I'm in trouble now. And she called me on the phone after and which was really nice, like to check on me and really to tell, cause I told her I had made an appointment to psychiatrist. She was like, good. Cause I'm calling you to tell you that you should, cause I'm not going to tell you what I think is going on because I'm, it's not appropriate for me to tell you because I'm not your psychiatrist. I'm not that anymore. She's like, I think that you really should. So shout out to her for that because that was huge too where I felt like okay I'm making the right decision and I think for me at that point like going to the psychiatrist was just like going to be relieving I'm like I don't know what I'm going to find out I feel no way about this besides relief that if I'm going to know like I'm going to know Mm -hmm. something and I didn't know that I would know but I just felt like like this is going to be the time where I get some answers and I did (laughs) which is which is really great. And then they put me on meds that worked right away, which I think was just like, like I know is like kind of a miracle for like, cause of a lot of people experience going through a lot of, and I've experienced that now we've tried to put like other ones in there for yeah. certain things like mixed episodes come with the territory as well, where you're feeling manic and depressed at the same time, which is the wildest feeling in the world. I can't even explain it. Oh my gosh. I can't even imagine. <laughs> yeah, It's like you have motivation and euphoria and like despair and like a lack of motivation. Oh my God. Like all at the same time. So honestly, like feeling crazy in your mind like that's the like most that feeling is like what that feels like to me and it's just like you don't even know what to do here for yourself but thankfully those have like I've been able to mitigate those which is awesome but yeah just and then I was like cool like I need to ask for help more in my life because Mm. look what happened when I asked my (laughs) look what happened when I asked for help like this time like that was like I shouldn't have to do this without the tools and without the people like supporting me so that was like a really big lesson in life and I think it's a lot easier for me to ask for help now and set those boundaries. Cause the biggest thing is like I was saying, I couldn't feel, I couldn't feel my emotions. I couldn't feel my yeah. body. I didn't even know what I needed. And even then I was like crushing life. <laughs> you really were. I you were like doing awesome. Yeah. We have so I'm like, wow. Yeah, Combos were like, yeah. we're great. I don't know we're why. Great. <laughs> I don't know why, but we're great. And I was yeah. still crushing it. And now I'm like, oh, wow. Like I, I know what I need and it's still a little hard to do it Mm. like because you know sometimes what you need and what is like you know is is a is a tough decision and is going to let some people down but that's not my problem right and that's something that I've definitely like the responsibility of like other people and and of in you know jobs and things like that have been way more lost on me now than before Mm. because I feel like that's all I had like work was all I had if I kept working, I would survive. And if people were happy with me, then I could keep working and I could survive. <laughs> you yeah. know, like that was the the thought process. And now it turns out when you choose like what's best for you, a lot of the times I haven't had experience with people like some people will like really, I'm sure be mad and it'll be a problem yeah. and you'll never speak to them again. But I feel like those are like few and far between. And it's happened to me a couple of times in my life. But now I'm just like so clear on it. When I explain it to people, they're like, oh, well, I can't be mad at you for that, yeah. <laughs> you know, and it's just kind of like, that's what it is. So uh, the biggest one lately is I got, you know, what I thought was like 
my dream job, right? Yeah, like I, you know, I like remember. last year, a year ago, which by the way, like I wanted to go for a career in sports and I like June, 2022, I was like, I'm doing this. Like I felt healthy enough, stable enough. Like I would have never been able to pull this off before. Um, and I'm going to like do it and it's probably going to take some time and that's okay. Like I have some time I can like live on a little blah, blah, blah. <laughs> it happened so fast. It happened so fast. Like literally like I got a sports writing contract and I was like, cool, this is a good first step. And then I applied for a job at an NBA team. Basketball is my sport. I'm sure like, I don't know if there's going to be video, but you can see like there's posters <laughs> yes. and basketballs all around me. And like, I was like, oh my gosh, working for an NBA team or a WNBA team, but we don't have one here in Portland, Oregon um, would be amazing. And so I saw a marketing position and I applied and like, I got it. So like within like two months, I was yeah. like, oh, from went from not working in sports at all to having a sports writing contract with like one of the largest growing like, you know, sports publications that that prioritizes women's sports and then an NBA team. I know. <laughs> seriously, I remember um, when we were talking about it on WhatsApp, we were like, wow, your manifesting what skills are literally so strong. So hard right now. And because I was so clear, because I was so lost for so long, and then I got so clear, you know, and it, and it's like, I wouldn't have gotten so clear if I didn't have those moments of being lost. So I think like, that's a big thing, too, is like, if I wouldn't have embraced the lostness, lost. the lost <laughs> yeah, I wouldn't have been able to get clear on it. But that's the thing, right? Is I for the last like 10, 11 months now, I've had this job, which I just put my notice in like a week I and a half know. ago. which feels wild. I mean, when you first hear that, you're like, what? Because like I spent like I've been wanting to do this since I was I know I quit everything to like make it happen. And, you know, the last like 10, 11 months, I'm like, okay, I'd never worked in a corporate job before, by the way. Another caveat to this story. Yeah, maybe we should have started with that. (laughs) This is my first corporate job. (laughs) Turns out it's not for me. (laughs) Yeah, not supportive for my mental health. Like I could feel it. I was like, my mental health is deteriorating in these last Mm -hmm. 11 months. And I really wanted to make it work. And I was pushing really hard. And I'm like, Monica, you're doing that thing again. We're prioritizing like work and you're like using this to cope. And I needed to up my meds and I didn't want to. And I was going through episodes. And so this is all a journey, right? Because I was like resisting upping my meds because I hadn't accepted yet that I like really need them. And I might Mm. need them at a certain dosage. And that dosage might be higher than I, you know, thought it would be. So, and again, here it is with the meds too, where I was like, I can do this, I can do this. And I had a really hard campaign I was working on in uh, January to like March and that that shit like broke me. Like it was yeah. just too much. So I kind of like spiraled a little bit and was like, you know, really like dissociating and going out and not they a lot and they threw like Abilify, another med in there for me to try to help the mixed episodes. And that was just like not it. So there were all these things happening. And so like, I finally like had a psychiatrist appointment and I was like, uh, <laughs> like I'm like struggling right now. And I think I was trying to like push through and she's like, here's the thing though. You're not supposed to be pushing through. Mm-hmm. Like this is supposed to be so manageable. So if you're feeling this so hard, then you have to tell me and we have to like figure it out. So we upped the meds. And then I was like, again, so clear. And I was like, oh, no, I can't do this long term. I thought I could do an office structured nine to five job if it was like my favorite thing in the world, which is basketball. And I couldn't I still couldn't. And I was like, that's okay. But it was very it's hard to accept. It's sad. I definitely was like feeling a lot of like more like kind of mourning it like I did this and I was able to do it, but it's actually not what that not what I want. So that feeling of lostness like came in like a, a, again, which was totally fine. But it was like a big boundary for me. I was like, I can I can like 
I can do another season. I can see if it gets yeah. better. And then I was like, no, no. Like, why would you stay longer than you know, like, you know, you want to like, I, I can't do this long term. So why would you waste your own term time and like waste their time? Exactly. Just like do what you know is best for you. Like your mental health deteriorated from this job. Don't do it anymore. Like mm. you can figure it out. Like I've been freelance for since I was 22 for like 14 years on and off and always doing it. I'm like, you don't have to do this. You can make money and still like support your mental health. So I think for me, it was a big lesson in like how my brain works, how I work, like how much rest I need to give it, like the stress levels that I can't Mm. take or it like triggers episodes for me. So I think that was a huge boundary I set for myself. And then recently maybe had a really cool client that I was going to work with and then like was like saw some red flags that I know would like stress me out and like hurt my mental health situation. I was like said no to that too. So I think like... It's really important for me setting boundaries with people, like personal relationships and even like work relationships. I can do that. But setting boundaries with myself around working to survive, which is like my Mm. big coping mechanism, is like a huge thing for me. And I've definitely started to do it with this like new dosage of meds that is clearly like more suited for for my brain chemistry. (laughs) Oh, my gosh. Honestly, I I mean, I knew all the things that you just mentioned or like shared, (laughs) but like seeing that well seeing the timeline unfold and everything like that um yeah. it's wild and all of that was in like oh, a year and some people a are year. Gonna be like oh that was a long time and then other people are gonna be like a year that's like nothing that's like don't nothing no yeah. but yeah. I think what I took from everything that you shared is like one you were still really rooted in yourself first yeah and then yeah you might have been like lost and kind of like trying to figure out what worked best and doing lots of testing and like tweaking and all that yeah. stuff but in the end, like knowing, okay, this is what you need. And then just kind of like figuring out in what dosage, that was not a pun, but kind of, kind of, it worked. (laughs) (laughs) Figuring out what you, like what you needed, when you needed it, how much you needed or don't need uh, has, is really amazing to kind of just see the whole journey of it. Yeah, I I'm so happy that. for you. <laughs> oh, thank you. Thank you so much. Yeah, it was and those hard decisions, like getting to the point where you can like make them and prioritize your mental health is like a big like even yeah. this whole like even this year when I already knew I still like stumbled a lot. Like it's a journey, you know, and there was still some like real like hard, dark moments. But I was like, okay, like you know how to get out of this. And that's like it's having the tools, it's having like mm. the skills and like really strengthening them and being able to like choose yourself over you know it always comes down to capitalism too <laughs> like at choosing the yourself the over production yeah, and capitalism over, and yes, selling your soul exactly so it's like oh I don't need to do this and I'm lucky to not need to do it you yeah. know like I'm definitely know that too but it's it feels good at the end of the day and honestly there was a great like um reception to it at my job like you know even my boss was like I'm proud of you for choosing you over yeah. over this because I know that's really hard but it yeah, it feel it feels good. And my therapist, like, cause I was like, you know, I tried and it didn't work. And she was like, Well, trying implies that you like failed at it, which you definitely didn't, because everyone's happy with my work there. I did a good yeah. job, which is like, you know, not necessarily successful. But it, for me, I was like, I'm proud of like what I did there. Like I really and but she was like, You you experimented and you know it's not what's for you, which is I think is a really good distinction. I love that. Yeah. Oh, I love that. Therapist. Um yeah, seriously, I was like, wow. Do we have the same conversations in therapy? Maybe. Yeah. <laughs> a lot of us probably do. <laughs> yeah, probably. If you're listening to this podcast and you 
have had similar conversations with let us know please let us know (laughs) (laughs) I feel like everybody has very very similar conversations um it's just it's like in different degrees depending on of course like your experience and whatever upbringing you had and all of that stuff but yeah your culture and yeah it's all very similar probably (laughs) there's a there's a thread there's a line through yeah like capitalism (laughs) capitalism the patriarchy yes exactly (laughs) (laughs) which barbie movie reminded us i don't know if you've seen it but oh i have oh Oh, yeah it was was so good i was like damn this is a little real though (laughs) i know i was like oh a little more real than i was expecting yeah (laughs) Um, okay. So I want to move on to the marketing stuff because I love talking marketing with you. Um, and I have a couple questions around all of the changes that are happening Mm -hmm. in marketing. I feel like literally Mm -hmm. I open my email and something new or something different. Did you see that Twitter is now not Twitter? Oh my gosh. I can't. The rebrand. I know. Like RIP. RIP. What? Yeah, like I'm Twitter, a little sad. <laughs> had my accounts in 2009. RIP Twitter. You know what I mean? I I'm pretty sad. That's just, that was a that was a wild like a wild card falling, falling came, of an empire. <laughs> seriously, it kind of came yeah. out of nowhere. I swear, I yeah. opened up my email today, um, yeah. and then there was an email that was like, "Oh, uh, Twitter is no longer Twitter. It's called X or something." And I was like, "What's this? It sounds like a meme joke." Um, X. <laughs> yeah, I don't know if it's called X, but it, the logo is an X. But okay, anyway, so we can Yeah, get I think it's still that. Twitter, but the logo is an X, which I'm le- I think like. He, um Musk wants to change the name though. Okay. I'm I'm done. <laughs> yeah, I'll send it to you um, via WhatsApp after. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, <laughs> okay. So my question is since there are so many things changing in marketing, um, I don't want to talk about all of the things changing because I feel like it'll just give me anxiety and like stress. Yeah. Um, no, what do you think that. won't change in marketing? And I feel like I, I know your answer. Oh, you know my answer. <laughs> but I want to hear 100% what you know my answer. And I will say it is has interesting. It's interesting now to have been a marketing manager in a corporation mm. and then also in nonprofits and then also for small businesses and individuals. So I feel like I have this like now have this kind of complete like yeah. breadth of experience in the marketing world. And you know what my answer is going to be. And I can say confidently now, even being in a corporation, email marketing, although it might change in like tiny, tiny like details is not going anywhere. It hasn't gone anywhere since we've had like email, (laughs) not going anywhere. (laughs) And it's still like, yeah, even at the, you know, at the NBA team, I just worked at like emails huge. And that's where a lot of conversions come from. And every single nonprofit I've worked in same every business I've worked in I've like pushed email really hard I've gotten people to like start lists and like do these things because for me and you know this social media is great we know there's a lower engagement rate we know there's a lower conversion rate but if you're doing all that work you're doing so much work on social media so So much work (laughs) like it never stops so much work it never stops funnel people to your email list so you like have them in your like ecosystem and you can really like sell to them in a way that is nurturing like you can nurture them you can sell to them you can get to know them better you can be more like intimate with them and your engagement and conversion rates are so much higher like it's literally like there's no losing in email <laughs> like basically I'm, what Monica Sandra is trying to say I'm, like, so passionate about email marketing. I know. I would niche like honestly sometimes I do niche I'm just like I just do email so if you want me to come in and do that like let's go (laughs) 
<laughs> Y'all, please like, um, yeah. don't just rely on social media for your marketing. Uh, I think I've told this to my clients. I feel like um, on Business yeah. Without the Butts, we were like, we're broken records with it. Yeah. Please don't <laughs> only do social media, y'all. Oh like, my gosh. We're not saying it doesn't matter. But I think it, no matter like the type with of it, like, it doesn't matter. Yeah. <laughs> but like no matter the business model that you have, whether you're like nonprofit, corporate, even if yeah. you're like a creator, influencer or like small business yeah. owner, or if you're like a brick and mortar, email is way better than yeah. socials in all aspects. And like the time, like even the most like obvious example like, what if you lose your Instagram or TikTok account? What if it's taken down and you can't get it back? <laughs> exactly. Like, what are you going to do? Where did all those people go? Like, you're going to start a new one and then you have to find them again? Mm-hmm. Like, I don't get an email list. <laughs> like, <laughs> That's it. <laughs> then you don't have to find them again. Then you can let them know that your Instagram or your TikTok or whatever, your ex account. <laughs> your ex account. Sorry, don't take it down and you have a new one. Like what? What's the better scenario? Like start building your email list. And if you have one and you don't email them, start emailing them. (laughs) Yes. Honestly, I feel like sometimes people are like, oh, I'm really scared. I'm not totally sure what to say. People are going to think I'm annoying. And I mean, I just just going to say we're all annoying. (laughs) Yeah, we're all one. We're all annoying, especially if you're in marketing. You're supposed to kind. I mean, you're annoying in like a consensual way. Yeah, Um, yeah. Yeah, be, not in like a don't be Ken. harmful way. Don't be Ken. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, but, but like, we're yeah. not annoying. Like I always ask people and my clients and everyone, like think about the people that you follow that you like followed intentionally and you want to be, eventually you want to work with them or you want to be sold what they're, because you like what they're doing so much. Do you ever feel like their pitches, no matter how many times you see them are annoying? And they're like, every single time, every single time my clients say no. Exactly. To to which I say, send the email. What's the problem? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I also send feel like if, if like you send more than one email a month or a week, I sometimes like will forget if like you don't email me. I don't remember. Yeah. And like when they send, so I've been on email lists where people have emailed me once a month or once every two months. And I forget why I subscribed to their list. And then because they emailed me so infrequently and then their email came in, I was like, the fuck is this? I'm actually more prone to unsubscribing because now I'm like, oh, this isn't really relevant to me anymore because this just isn't. Yeah. yeah. I don't know. And I think the second I agree. And I think the other thing with that is like, don't tell people that you're like, oh, it's been a while. Like, don't tell people that they don't know (laughs) that it's been a while. They really don't. Literally no, with everything else going, going on, on in the world. <laughs> they have yes. their own life. There's a lot going on in their inbox. You don't have to explain why you didn't email them for a while or why do you even like even if we're talking about it, why you didn't post for a while. Yeah. Unless it's like a part of the story you're about to tell. Don't justify why you haven't sent exactly. something for a while. Just get back into it. And yes. I would agree if like I haven't heard from someone like every couple months or something, I might like have, I probably have a higher probability of it. And if I hear from someone every week, I'm like, oh, I'm going to maybe hear from them this week. And that's cool. I, I really enjoy like their emails and, and what they're putting out there. Obviously, you can email people once a month if you want to do a newsletter or something like that. But, you know, I think trying to keep it consistent and actually doing it once a month, if you're going to do it that infrequently is really important. Yeah. Okay. So now that we talked about what you think won't change, I am curious to email. know what you are. Long ex- live email. <laughs> yeah. That's me and saying long live long form content, please. Yes. Um, I mean, also that. Oh long my gosh, form content. We could talk about this forever. Um, um, <laughs> but okay. So what it's are you meta excited? right now? I, I know. 
What are you excited about in marketing? I guess that's coming out. Mm-hmm. There are a lot of things coming out. So I don't know if there's something that you could be excited about. Oh, that's so Or true. just more like stressed because I'm stressed. Like chat GPT mm-hmm. when it came out and everybody was like, oh my gosh, it's replacing everybody. And I'm like, you know, I Please. kind of hope it replaces me. Uh-huh. <laughs> yeah, you know then what? I don't I'd have to work. <laughs> oh my gosh, it's so true. Oh my gosh. I don't know. What are you excited that's coming out before I answer this question? Ooh, that would be good. helpful. Um. <laughs> You know what? Yeah. I don't have an answer. I don't either. I'm like so into um, website strategy, email marketing Mm. and long form content. Like I feel like I'm always going to be that like (laughs) that like solid, like holistic marketing strategy person. I'm not the trend person. Like Mm. I'm not. I'm the person that's going to set you up for like long term sustainability. I'm not really the person that's going to get you on the new thing and like have all the ideas. And I think that's something that I like had to accept is like, that's who I am. That's who I am as a marketing person. I'm, you know, and I think, you know, I think that's okay because I think like it's hard for marketing people to encompass all of these things. There's too many things. And like you said, there's too many things coming out. There's too many platforms that you need different type of content ideas for that you need to pay attention to different type of trends and like get on board. And I think that's all great. But for me, like I'm going to come in and like really like put like from like kind of like fix the foundation if you've been doing it for a while and then like have some cracks in it and want to like tighten that up or really set you up to like start from like a really solid foundation Mm. of like a marketing funnel, like for instance, (laughs) because a lot of the times people don't have them and like really like mapping out like a client journey, a customer journey and being able for like to help you be confident that all this energy you're putting into all these trends is going to convert to sales Mm. and revenue that you need to survive, you know? So I think for me, I've accepted that, you know, now that I'm like 36 going on 37, I think I might know. And it's like, I never... You know, I don't I don't want to say I never thought I'd get here because I've never really been a trend person as far as like social as far as like marketing goes. Like I stay in the know of it. Like I know what you know, I know what's going on so I can like, you know, inform my clients and let them know how long term like long form content and their long term strategy can play into that. But I think for me, it's like I'm going to be the person that like really comes in and gets solid on those like ride or die marketing (laughs) platforms that have always been here and will always be there because that's my expertise. And then like let other people roll with like the trends, I think. Oh my gosh. Okay. So now that you said that, I'm like, you know yeah. what? That's right. Because I, as much as I love <laughs> yeah. seeing trends and seeing yeah. like the new platform pop up and kind of like experimenting it with it and then telling my, like our clients, um, I, I can't build, I mean, I can build it into the strategy, but I can't do it long-term because like yeah, my brain can't, handle it because I get overwhelmed. Yeah. And like, there's so much going on right now in like the marketing world. So just what you were saying too, like, I love, yeah. I love a good website, y'all. Like, I, I think love a good website. Um, it's so important. In, in one of, <laughs> I think it was um the Petty Party with Kat. Oh my God. For the, the Petty the Party episode is so um, good. I think we were talking about all these people. When who people are say like, you don't need websites. Yes. That's exactly <laughs> what I was just about to say. I was like, Whoa. y'all, I don't y'all. know about that. We can go back to the example of what if you lose your social media Yeah, profile. exactly. Like, where will they go? Where will they go to know what you do or to exactly. buy things from you what if or they just to need hire to, like, you? Yeah. What if they just need to Google you? Like if they can't find yeah. you on Instagram, 
You don't have any long form content somewhere else. Um, and everything They're is just based on social media. About you. And all they need to do is like Google your name or like your handle, but you don't have yes. literally anything else except for your social media platforms. Yeah. How are they going to find you? And I'm sure you get this too, because I get it with my website also where they're like, oh my gosh, like I went to your website and it's so good. And I like know your vibe and I know what you're about. Go to monicashrock.com. You're going to know exactly what I'm about. I love Monica's website. <laughs> and what did I do? What I do? I love my website too. <laughs> <laughs> and it took work. Like it took work to get it where it is, you know, and like it is work, but I, you can start really simple. We won't go into the, like the granular details of it, but it's like, don't overthink it. Get something up where people can like get to know you and know your vibe and like know what you do and know your service. And like, don't just rely on your social media profile to do that because people have to search. You don't yeah, want really people do. to have to search. You want a homepage that gives them all the information they need in like a really quick way um, so they know. And yeah, so you want a website. You don't need, you don't even just need it. You want it. <laughs> Psychological. Right? Yeah. You want a you website. Want it. <laughs> Which I love that we like love like these things because honestly, what people expect marketers to know is unreasonable. It's absolutely unreasonable for Seriously. one person to be able to be an expert in the like the spectrum of marketing and the platforms. And like a lot of the times, like, you know, at my like job right now that I'm like going to be done with in about a month, like people are niche down. These positions are niche down into what they are experts in. Like they don't need to know. Like, you know, there's someone, there's a couple people in the like paid social realm. Like that's what they do. <laughs> they don't need to know all this other stuff. They can like, they have an idea. They know about it, but they're not like huge experts on it because they don't need to be. Yeah. Um, so it's kind of like expecting us to be like these unicorns. Like literally, I think marketers like most of the time are like full on unicorns. Like we, and we have to special. be project managers. <laughs> and, yeah, it's like wild. We're and we're much. the first ones to get the budget cut. And we're the oh, first yeah. ones to like- We get blamed we, for things not selling. We get blamed for things not selling. You're not selling. It's not your marketing <laughs> no. team person- no. contractors problem it could honestly be a sales funnel thing it could be a messaging thing it could be a messaging thing yeah it could Don't be that your product service messaging. whatever is not good anyways yeah. um, just think about it yeah before you blame your marketer <laughs> yeah please <laughs> go deep uh, yeah ask yourself these difficult questions before you come at yeah. us yeah. Um, seriously petty party i know seriously <laughs> we, we had to throw it in um so before we wrap up this episode because i feel like we've been talking forever i could have this conversation we could go forever you. yeah i know but you are starting your day and i know you have okay. to get into work and i eventually have to end work um, boo <laughs> boo me right. getting into work yeah <laughs> um i have a couple last questions for you okay. um the first one is what is a nuanced conversation that you think we are not having enough of Mm. mental health for sure. Mm. <laughs> like definitely. I mean, the stigma is like still there around it. Like we are not having these conversations about mental health. Not that it exists. Like we still have to have those conversations that mental health is not being addressed and that these like challenges for people exist based on like trauma, based on family history, based on all these things. I think the really nuanced conversation we're having is when there's awareness of it, when a company or a person is like, oh, I value mental health and blah, blah, blah. The nuanced conversation of like, what does that mean in practice? Like, how do you support someone mm. with mental health? Because a lot of times I feel people be like, I hear you, I see you, but I'm not going to do anything about it. And I'm going to still put these pressures on you even though you've told me that like, and it's like, and also that nuanced conversation of someone's not weak because mm -hmm. 
they can't handle a certain workload or they, they like aren't able to perform in a certain way at a certain time. So I think for me, that's a big one. I could answer that in so many different ways, <laughs> but what's fresh for me right now is that, cause I'm like, you know, we need to talk about what it means to actually support people when they are coming to you and divulging a really vulnerable thing that they have this like mental health diagnosis. And that means mm. X, Y, Z for them. How do people support people like that? And what are, yeah, what are the, what are the boundaries? What's the, cause it's scary to be in work situations, especially maybe even family situations too, and be like, Hey, like I'm not doing well because of X, Y, Z. That's like a scary thing, especially at a job, you know? So it's already like a really brave thing to say that. So how do we actually like approach these situations and help people? Mm, I love that. Which is a bigger systemic conversation as well. Yes. Uh, that I don't know if we could cover in, no, absolutely in, in a podcast episode, <laughs> Yeah, but maybe um, we can try. Maybe. Yeah. Um, okay. Last like full, full question. Uh, okay. Do you have any journaling prompts or exploratory questions for people? Because I love ending each episode with journaling mm. prompts for people to, you know, think about maybe people aren't into journaling. So things to just think about if you're meditating or literally, I don't know, having a mindful moment. Yeah. I think, um, and maybe this is like, I know I was supposed to think about this, but (laughs) (laughs) I told you this earlier. No, it's fine. Yeah, you did. I think like for me, when I think about for me, what, what, um, how I'm thinking when I'm journaling is like, how can I get this out? So like my anxiety, like, you know, goes to the side, like kind of like falls off of me. So I think for me, a a question that I ask myself is like, what have I done this week where my anxiety is kind of like, just like melted off of me? Like, Mm -hmm. what was I doing in that moment? Was I like talking to someone? Was I reading a comic book? Was I listening to music? Was I playing basketball? Um, So I think it's, it's for me, that's a great question, because then I can recreate those, those moments and know that that does that for me. So I think that's what I would say. Ooh, (laughs) I am going to journal on that tomorrow. (laughs) Thank you. I feel like I'm not a good person to to like make up journaling questions, but that went pretty well. That one I think was great. I (laughs) mean, I'm yeah, I'm going to definitely journal on it because I'm like, oh yeah, why wouldn't I journal on those things and then try and like create more pockets of them. Right. We, we, a lot of the time journal on what's giving us anxiety and we don't journal yes. about what's taking the anxiety away. I do that a lot. <laughs> yeah. I, right. Yeah. Like, I feel anxious. Help, yeah. you know? Help like, me. Yeah. What's making what me feel I anxious? Do? Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. But what's making that. me not feel anxious? <laughs> I love that. I love that. Um, okay, y'all. Well, I wish I could have Monica here forever. Seriously. Uh, forever. Sorry, Monica. I wish I could be here forever. <laughs> I wish we could see each other again in person. <laughs> I know. We will. We will. We will. Eventually. Eventually. Yes. We'll see each other yes. again. I'll come um, to Spain. I'll come to Spain this time. Yeah, come hang. I honestly have been looking up vegan spots for you. Oh my gosh. That's so exciting. <laughs> yeah. Because, so exciting. you know. And then I mean, where I live, there's not in other there. cultures. I, I, I expand my like palate a little bit because I do want to experience it. So we can do vegetarian, like maybe okay. a little. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah. vegetarian options here in Toledo, not there. They are questionable. It's like pescatarian. They are questionable. Okay. Yeah. I could do that. I could do okay. that. Okay. Well, we'll talk about this. <laughs> now that everyone knows we've got the logistics <laughs> figured out. Yeah. <laughs> um, well, thank you so, so much for being here on the podcast. It's been awesome just to like, go deeper into this with you. I feel like we've talked about so many different things through WhatsApp and stuff, but then I don't know that yeah. we've ever had like a real It's hard to have a full conversation on yeah. WhatsApp. Yeah. So this has been really nice. Thanks. For I know. I feel, me. I also feel like we answer each other, like, what is it? Asynchronously? Yes. No, that's true. <laughs> <laughs> kind of hard. I mean, we're on hugely different time zones. Yeah. So there's that, like, I'll be like, oh, who, 
crap, I didn't answer Cassandra. It'll yeah. be the middle of like my day, which is like exactly. really late time for, for me. Yeah. Yeah. Um, <laughs> So for everybody who is listening, um, can you share where people can find you? I will put all of the things that we talked yeah. about in the show notes so that people can look you up. Yeah. Two places um, that are easy to find me is uh, my website, monicashrock.com. And then my Instagram, my website, <laughs> my Instagram, um, which is like full of like mostly like personal things, like just my life and non-binary mental health journeys and things like that is at money shrock and, and the I'll put it. Yeah, I'll, yeah. The spelling will be in the show notes. Yeah. Oh, I'll yeah. also play like a they, your podcast. Yes, it's at play like a they on Instagram. Um, and then it's on Spotify um, and Apple Music. And you can listen on Buzzsprout if you don't have either of those things. Love that. Yeah. And final, final, final question. Um, mm-hmm. Do you have a cause or NGO that you love and support that you think maybe some yeah. other people might be interested in checking out as well? Yeah, I have so many, but the one I'm going to go with now, because for me, the um, <laughs> the environmental yeah. crisis and <laughs> climate change is always so top of mind for me. And maybe it is for other people. But I used to work um, with a nonprofit called Rainforest Action Network, and they do corporate pressure campaignings uh, for big corporations like banks and brands to stop deforestation and uh, fossil fuel funding. So, you know, for communities, for like rainforests and for our environment in general and um, help um, communities on the front lines uh, with resources to help them stop these terrible projects that happen in their backyard. So I really support them and what they're doing. And I have been in the inner workings of it. So I highly recommend supporting them. Love that. I will also link that in the show notes for you to check out. Well, y'all, thank you for joining us for this episode and we will see you in the next one. Stay fierce, fam. (laughs) Bye. Bye. If you're hearing this message, that means you made it to the end of the episode. Yay. Thanks for listening. If you enjoyed this conversation and had an idea on future topics you'd like to see covered on the podcast, send me a message on Instagram at Cassandra TLE with your idea. If we decide to explore the topic, we'll also give you a shout out. Boop, boop. Want to hang out with me in other areas of the internet? Subscribe to the Doing Good newsletter to receive exclusive access to personal musings from me and podcast guests. Find the link in the show notes. And don't forget to subscribe if you haven't. Thank you and see you in the next episode. Stay fierce, fam.